Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. I'm Mike, and joining me, as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? Greetings and salutations, slow burn lovers. Uh, yeah, I'm not doing too bad, Mike. How you doing? Doing well. Um, just, uh, you know, living every day. I was going to say living every day like it's my last, but I don't want to put that omen out there. <laughs> I'll fall back on just the sayings you've, you've heard before. <laughs> mm. uh, and also joining us as always, it's Don. How you doing, Don? Yeah, doing great. What's going on, guys? Oh, uh, shit. <laughs> Except this movie. Not the same old shit, but we'll get into mm. that soon. Nope. <laughs> so <laughs> we are talking a movie called Caveat. Uh, that's currently streaming on Shutter. I think it's been there um, a week or two, maybe. Just a week. Yep. And, mm-hmm. Okay. And from writer director Damian McCarthy, I believe this is Irish, Irish horror. Clocking in at an hour and twenty eight minutes, just under ninety. What a trend we've seen lately. Um, and let's see the synopsis is as follows. A lone drifter suffering from partial memory loss accepts a job to look after a psychologically troubled woman in an abandoned house on an isolated island. Alright, so with that, let's get to our general thoughts on the movie Caveat. Venom, what did you think of Caveat? It's funny, as you read that, because I, 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 I don't read the synopsis before I watch the movie, but you, the first few words you said were a lone drifter. Did anybody get the thought that this guy was a drifter? I don't even think they set that up. I don't yeah, know that... so much a drifter as he almost kind of seemed like a loner. Maybe I don't know about a drifter. Yeah, loner. Yeah, that... but... <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like That's the part I was confused at when he started saying that. I was like, wait, what the fuck? Lone drifter. Uh, apparently he's a drifter because the director said so. So, okay. Anyway, caveat. Um, man. This is this is going to be a weird review because people know that I love slow burn movies. I am always down for a nice slow burn, something that builds up tension and atmosphere. And I will say, caveat does that um, for the first hour. Not no, excuse me, definitely not an hour. Uh, for the first like thirty to forty forty five minutes. I was totally on board for this film. I thought this director was doing a really good job of building up tension. I thought the atmosphere, um, you know, again, was uh, pretty good. I like the set design. I like this house. Like, it's not, it's old and decrepit, but it's not quite like abandoned mansion by any stretch. You could just tell that like a poor family lives there. Um, So I like that. I, I usually like isolated horror films that are, you know, pretty much in one place the entire time. I would say 98% of this film takes place in in the singular house. But about an hour into the film, I started to realize that this director is not paying off anything that he's setting up. Um, this story starts out as a fairly good concept. Um, as Mike said, you know, we're hiring, uh, hiring someone to look after someone who has some kind of mental health issue, but isn't really specifically stated what. Um, and uh, so on paper, this starts out really good. I'm OK with it. But then things start to happen. And literally within 10 minutes, 
I hate just about everyone in this film. Um, you guys may remember a couple of years ago when we did a review for Greta, how I just absolutely went off on that film because of how singularly stupid our main character in that film was. Well, guess what, folks? We have another film here where not only are the protagonists complete idiots and do the wrong thing at every possible turn, the fucking antagonists are just as stupid. Um, I I'm trying not to get loud. I know it probably makes for great podcasting, but yeah, I'm sorry, but this movie had me seething by the end. I was so pissed off at this movie. They set up this wonderful story. We've got good performances. We've got a good score. Um, we've got some decent cinematography, though I do so. I have some major issues with the lighting in this movie. Um, we'll get into that a little bit more later too. This is supposed to be just general thoughts, but I'm going to try not to go off on a tirade. Um, as I said, I was on board for a good 30 to 45 minutes of the film, but once I started seeing the ridiculous things that everyone in this film decides, uh, were deciding were a good idea and where the movie went and then what happens at the end, oh my God, I walked away from this film so pissed off. And it's really too bad because unlike Greta, I'm not I'm not going to completely disavow this film. As I've already said, great cinematography, uh good atmosphere, good tension, great score, really good performances. I mean, on paper, like I said, it sounds like a solid film, but once we get to the end, I am just thoroughly pissed off that I spent an hour and a half with this uh family, uh, you know, duo, whatever you want to call them. And basically got no kind of payoff at the end to the point where the movie actually you could kind of make the argument that the movie ends on a cliffhanger because, you know, there, there's one final shot of the film that leaves a very, very major question unanswered. And then the movie just goes to black and that's it. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? So I'm sorry, guys, as as beautiful as this film might be to the eyes and legitimately creepy um including for those who've seen the poster art you've seen the you know creepy little bunny rabbit toy even that is set up pretty cool in the opening scene of the film but it's pretty much just forgotten as a plot point you know we we see him intermittently throughout the film but we never get any real explanation of what it does how it does what it does anything um I mean, you can you can honestly say this is a psychological thriller because where's the horror ultimately? I mean, you know, you, you could make the argument that nothing in this film actually happened and that this is just a fever dream from one of the characters. Who knows? Uh, my point is this movie wrote a check that its ass could not cash. And by the end of the film, I just thoroughly disliked it. I had completely forgotten about everything that it did right in the first half hour to an hour. And by the time we get to the end, I'm so pissed off at it that all the goodwill that it built up early on was completely lost. And I walk away just abhorring this film. So there you go. Possibly my least favorite movie watch of the year. I'm not saying it's the worst movie I've watched this year. Not at all. What I'm saying is that it was my least enjoyable movie watch of the year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at that for general thoughts. Okay. Uh, Don, what did you think of Caveat? So, I'm kind of in lockstep with Venom on this one. Um, I, I do agree. I 
wanted to like this movie a lot more than it did. You know, the setup to this is promising. There's a lot of creepy imagery. You know, this should have been much better than what it really is. And, you know, okay, for a first-time director, he does get some slack. Um, I think this is the first full-length feature he's done. I think he's done shorts in the past, if I remember the promo material Shutter gave me. But that's still no excuse for, like he said, this film being, one, interminably boring. Um, I was seriously considering switching to trying coffee for the first time to try to keep myself awake from this 30 minutes in. Uh, Just everything about this is just played at such a slow, lumbering tempo that I think you could have injected adrenaline into this movie and gotten it up to sluggish. This is probably, I think, the slowest paced film I've seen all year. And it just drags on endlessly and never pays off anything. You know, I'm so glad you found, you know, you talked about the bunny. Because if you take the batteries out of that thing, I kind of want it. It's fucking adorable. I'd love to have, I'd love to have that thing sitting on my shelf. I mean, it looks cute. I'd it's love creepy, that cool, little bunny. Exactly, yeah. I'd love to have a little bunny. And if you told me how it works, you know, I'd make sure it does the opposite. And I just leave it hanging in my room. But... Yeah, I mean, you know, you could have done a fantastic ghost movie. You could have done, you know, a fantastic holding hostage film where, you know, the tables are turned and nobody's who they say they are and, you know, things go from bad to worse. But it doesn't do that. It's just so unimpressive, I guess, is the proper word. Try not to get too, you know, spoilerific here, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, this is some, you know, I wanted to like this, you know, I wanted, I wanted this to be better than what it really was, and it just, it didn't work for me, and, you know, I'm kind of there with Venom, I, uh, calling this a horror film is a bit of a stretch, you know, does that make it a bad movie? No, but, you know, it is one of the factors that I have to hold against it. It doesn't have the, you know, necessary jolts or the necessary, you know, no impact that a horror film does because it's playing in a separate genre and you know if if it would have tried something a little different maybe it could have worked better you know the premise is potential the premise has potential you know it, it looks good technically you know i will admit there are a few times that it got me you know it looks kind of creepy and suspenseful but yeah it just it fails and it's kind of a shame because i really wanted to like this more than i I did. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, <laughs> you, you said Don said he wanted to like it. Well, I'll kind of take the opposite. Well, not the opposite, but I'll say I wanted to love it, but I actually liked it like a lot. Um, I I think that you guys definitely hit on some of the flaws of the movie. And that's what kept me from loving it. I think there were opportunities for, you know, some of the story, some of the explanations, some of the loose ends, or just kind of like what the hell is actually happening that were missed on the writing. Um, I was fine with the directing itself. I thought Mm -hmm. there was plenty about this that was effectively creepy. Um, Was it slow-paced? Yes. Yes, but 
I thought the atmosphere and the sound design, you know, I this is this is actually one of the first movies in a while that I actually threw on pretty late at night and had the surround sound on just you know, I'm not I'm not much of a late night movie watcher anymore just cuz one the whole rest of the house is asleep and then I just don't tend to stay up um not that I don't watch stuff late at night, but when I really have to watch something and pay attention, you know, and it's a first time watch, I don't do that as much lately, but that just happened to be the time when I could get this one in. Uh, I So I, I like the uh, design of the house. I thought it was, you know, it was dirty. It was grimy. It was everything, you know, when you go exploring as a kid, it, it felt kind of, creepy the whole time that that bunny toy um we can talk about that because i think it was creepy we didn't get really much of an explanation of how exactly it worked um there's theories out there we can get into um i don't disagree with venom um on the fact that you know he kind of alluded to this this movie sets up a lot of stuff that it that we don't really get uh necessary a payoff for there's a lot of stuff that's kind of left i guess to the viewer's interpretation and not in a either this or that kind of way more as a what the hell exactly is is going on mm-hmm. but i i would say like i don't have any issue calling it a horror i mean there's sequences in this to me that are straight up horror um so i don't i don't have any issue with labeling a horror movie um, I think the performances themselves were good. I, I think, you know, I guess once we get into spoilers, I'll try to justify some of, like, the gray area stuff. Not that I necessarily myself even have an explanation for it, but um, overall, it's a movie I liked. I I was creeped out by it, um, but, you know, it, it it's... Venom, you said, like, oh, this is going to be kind of a weird review. I, I feel like the same for myself because mm-hmm. I can't necessarily disagree with any of the criticisms. Um, like Don said, I cut a little bit of slack because this comes off to me very much like a director-writer's first movie. There's yeah, a lot of elements to like, but there's also a lot of elements that, you know, in future endeavors, you hope that it tightens up a little bit or just... Mm-hmm. The writing's a little more fleshed out, characters uh, more fleshed out. But, you know, I, I still think, you know, an effort like this being your first movie or first feature, at least. There was enough here to make me say, OK, I want to see what this director can do next with maybe, you know, a stronger source material or just more, more uh, complete ideas and a story written out. But overall, I liked it. Um you have to realize that while I was watching it, I enjoy. I was enjoying it. I was, but the thing that's kind of I don't I don't know how common this is, but the thing about me is, I can watch an hour and thirty minute movie. The first hour and twenty minutes of it could be absolutely brilliant, masterclass in filmmaking. If the last ten minutes leaves me sour, I'm gonna walk. That that's the feeling that I'm gonna walk away from the film with, and that's the feeling that I'm gonna remember years from now. I'm not gonna remember how great the cinematography was. I'm not gonna remember how great the tension was for the first half hour to an hour of the film. 
but I'm going to remember how it left me. And that's unfortunately how I look at my films. If you're, cause I'm the complete opposite too. If a movie for the first hour and 20 minutes is just not great, but the last 10 minutes is spectacular. I'm going to give that movie a great review. Cause that's the feeling that I walked away from the film with. So unfortunately, like I said, this movie builds up a lot of goodwill in the first half hour to an hour that the atmosphere, the tension, the score, the cinematography, the lighting in some scenes, um, all works in its favor. The problem is when you don't pay off anything, it's like, what was the point of this journey? I mean, to the point where it left us with so many questions at the end of the movie, it's like, what was the point? Why did I watch this film? You know what I mean? It just, that's frustrating to me. To me, I don't find films like that enjoyable. Um, I know some people might say, oh, the ending might be just too cerebral for you or blah, blah, blah. But it's like, well, if that's the case, fine. You know, I've never claimed to be the most intelligent film viewer in any, you know, by any stretch. But if I watch a movie that I like for the first three quarters and then the end of it just kills it, I can't give it a good review. I just can't. Uh, You know, I'm trying to highlight as much of the positive in this film as I can. And don't get it wrong, folks. There's a lot of positive here. That's why I'm not trashing it like I did with Greta. But ultimately, the storytelling, I have major, major problems with the storytelling in this movie. I mean, like I said, from the very opening scene, I already hate everyone in the film. Because of just the terrible decision making, the very obvious lies that are being told from one character to another. I mean, very obvious lies. And and this character still like, oh, okay. And the thing is, is that there is no character development in this film either. If the director would have set up that this guy needed money for some reason, maybe I could accept, okay, that's why he's taking such a ridiculous babysitting job, you know, for this amount of money. But they don't set that up. Literally, the movie opens with, you know, you get a cold open with, uh, you know, a woman carrying around the bunny toy that we've seen, um, which is a really cool cold open, by the way. I won't take anything away from that. Awesome scene. But then... It it goes into this um, scene where a character, Barrett, is basically offering this babysitting job to this guy, Isaac. No character development whatsoever. I know we we still get it as the movie goes along, but like I said, it would it would have been it would have been a lot easier for me to accept that this guy would take this ridiculous job. If you would have set up that maybe maybe he owes money to the wrong people, maybe he's recently homeless. Um, I don't know, but they don't do that in the film. He's just a regular dude. He looks like a working class guy, not old, you know, late 20s, early 30s, maybe late 30s at the most. But, you know, without that need, without that desire for money, it makes zero sense the decision that this guy ends up making. And the multiple terrible decisions that he makes throughout the film, to me, are just unforgivable. I've said it before and I'll say it again. When characters in horror movies make stupid decisions, that's weak writing. A good horror writer will figure out a way to make their characters mildly intelligent and still end up in horrible situations. That's a good horror film. When, when, if you're just going to make all your characters morons, that's not entertaining to me in any way, shape, or form. I just end up yelling at the screen for you know the majority of the film, which is exactly what I did for the majority of the second half of this film. I'm yelling at the screen, you're an idiot, you're a dumb bitch, you're a moron, you're a douchebag. I just, it's <laughs> like, you can't give me a movie with only four characters and make none of them likable. 
you just can't do that and then expect me to say, this was a great movie. No, movies are entertainment. And if I'm not entertained in some way, shape or form, I'm going to give you a bad review. Ultimately, this, as I've already said, this movie does so many things great that the fact that it's storytelling is such shit. Um, I, I can't forgive it. I just can't forgive it. And, and people who, and, and the funny thing is, is I've read and, and listened to very, very few negative reviews for this film. Most of the reviews that I'm listening to are glowing. I mean, I, I the, the Salmons who we love gave this movie a four and a half out of five, you know, nothing against them at all. It's a movie that obviously speaks to them more than it speaks to me. But the point is there are so many positive reviews for this film and no one, not anyone is pointing out the fact that there's very little payoff and that the ending is so ambiguous. It's infuriating. So, you know, what, I, as far as general thoughts, I don't know what else I could say. I mean, See, I, heard, I, I don't, I don't necessarily have an issue when movies don't have any likable characters or characters you can root for. Cause to me, sometimes the story you have envisioned your head is just, about a handful of piece of shit characters to varying degrees. Obviously, I think as this movie goes on and we see some intentions like revealed, then it's like, okay, maybe there's not, you know, there's more uh, dubious natures to certain characters than others. But I, I do agree with the criticism of like the ending, the ambiguous nature of the ending is kind of unnecessary. I mean, I'll try to, I guess I'll try to like explain what I thought of it once we get to oh yeah yeah spoilers and what movie it kind of what movie's ending it kind of remind me of which had similar criticism, mm-hmm. um, but obviously can't do that yet so, okay. so um, but yeah I mean as far as general thoughts that's probably all I got for now too yeah oh and then the lighting let's talk about the lighting um, the movie <sighs> is very claustrophobic it is very claustrophobic. Um, as we've already said, the majority of the film takes place in a small house, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, you know, just woods and a lake around the area. There's nothing else there. So the the sense of isolation is there. The sense of claustrophobia is there. Um, and what I like about some of the lighting is that there'll be scenes when a character is in a big room, like a basement, but the lighting will be done in such a way that it's only on the character, so it still makes him look like he's in a dark room. You can't see the outer edges of it when the main lights go out, for example. Um, so there's good things done with the lighting, but then there's other times when that exact style of lighting just is annoying. Um, and this director, I, I mean, whether it's the director, the cinematographer, the lighting guy, whatever the case may be, uh, they need to learn when they can use that shot and when not to, because they basically abused it here. Um, and it was too bad because the, the couple of times that I saw it, that I thought it worked really well, uh, was the, one of the scenes, um, was when he get, first got out of the house. You guys remember towards the end of the film when he first gets out of the house and he's actually outside rather than all the moonlight shining and lighting the entire area. It literally looks like a, not a spotlight, but almost like a a small floodlight on the character. So even though he's outside and you can hear the wind whooshing by and whatnot, the sense of isolation is still there because you can't see anything around him. 
And I think that's done really well in that example. But like I said, there's other examples later in the film or earlier in the film, I should say, where that style of lighting is just annoying. It's like, stop it, pan that light out so I can see what the fuck I'm supposed to be looking at. You know, um, the, the movie is very dark. Um, I wouldn't say it's annoyingly dark, you know, uh, like some movies can be, but I, I could also see a certain kind, type of viewer being upset that they can never see the backgrounds, you know. The lighting is always character-focused, you know. It's well, you're on. on a show with one of them. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, like I said, the lighting in this movie is equal parts brilliant and terrible, and they just need to know when to use certain techniques. Um, but like I said, overall, on a technical aspect, the movie really is solid. I mean, it's it's downright good. Um, like I said, as far as it's, you know, it's editing, it's cinematography, it's it's soundtrack, it's, you know, uh, camera movement, everything. It all looks really nice. My biggest issue with it is just the storytelling. And ultimately, I'm going to hinge on storytelling a lot more than the visuals when I watch a film. That's just the kind of viewer I am. I'm looking for a great story more than you know, something that's just visually beautiful, you know, I, uh, we hearken back to Avatar, you know, Avatar was a, a cinematic feast in IMAX, but then the first time you watch it at home, you're like, hey, this movie's not all that great, <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, I feel like this movie could have really benefited from a theatrical release, obviously, with the director and stars being, you know, low level uh, talent. Uh, not low level in the sense of their abilities, uh, their popularity, I guess, is the better way to put it. Um, this movie's obviously not going to play in theaters, but I think it could have benefited from a theatrical watch. I might have even liked it more. Um, the sound design, you know, in a big theater and everything else, and even the drumming of the rabbit, you know, how it's kind of um, jolting at times. Not necessarily scary, but, you know, when it's perfectly silent and then suddenly the rabbit starts drumming, it's a little jarring, so it's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I just can't get behind this story because everyone's an idiot. That's, that's going to be ultimately my, my review. If I had to do like a one line review for this movie, great technical aspects, but everyone is a moron. <laughs> that's, that's the best way I can put it. And I mean, like I, I said, I've seen the positive reviews. I've seen what people love about this movie and they're praising it. I mean, I'm seeing like nines out of tens, 8.5 out of tens of uh, 4.5 out of fives reviews for this film. And it's like, cool. I just, you know, the way that I watch movies and the way that I consume entertainment, this movie didn't do it for me. It left me wanting so much more. And I actually read an interview with the director where he, um, one of his favorite movies is The Wicker Man, the original Wicker Man. And he said that he actually kind of wanted this movie to go. It's not the same story, obviously, but he was talking about how he wanted it to follow a faster pace than The Wicker Man. He said that he loves The Wicker Man, but he always complained about why it took so long to get to the island. You know, you have that that opening part with uh, the officer getting all his instructions and everything, blah, blah, blah. In this movie, we get right to it. We, we, we get that cool cold open with the rabbit. And then, you know, it, it goes, you know, within five minutes, we're at the house. And so that is cool. The problem is, is that this director starts building up suspense so early in the film that you start to get more and more disappointed as the film goes along because of the lack of payoffs. Uh, a lot of people are probably wondering, why am I saying this about this movie when I praised St. Maud? And St. Maud is, again, a slow burn with, you know, just a really good last five minutes. 
But with the, the major differences is that with St. Maud, that was a character study. It wasn't necessarily the director wasn't heightening the horror within five minutes. You know what I mean? So there was pacing like your basically your heart could take it. It was like, OK, this is a nice build up. We're building up to something more serious than the fight. And, you know, and then the ultimate, you know, scene at the end, blah, blah, blah. This movie, like I said, within a five minutes, you're already like you're already heightened. Your senses are already heightened. You're already a kind of, you know, cliche, I know. But like at the edge of your seats because they're, they're the director's setting it up that way. But then we basically just get an hour and a half of that, an hour and a half of stellar atmosphere with absolutely no payoff and i know some people are going to disagree with me they're going to say well there was payoff you know what was in the basement and blah 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 and it's like no to me that's just not payoff <laughs> there it, it, this movie left me with more if if i would have watched the trailer and read the synopsis and then just wrote down a list of questions that i had going into it i guarantee walking out of it i would have had even more questions i mean this movie answers very little and like I said, that ending is just a big question mark to me. Um, I'm hoping that someday somebody will be able to explain it because maybe there's some profound meaning behind that ending. But for whatever it's worth, I don't see it. Sorry, Mike, I'm rambling. <laughs> um, I ramble when I get pissy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't even know what to, how to follow that up because there was a lot to... <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm sorry. There, there's so many points there, but I, you know, I'm the, I have, uh, I'm the kind of guy that I think of something and I, I gotta spit it out. <laughs> I think it'd be probably best to just move into spoiler section and start yeah. from there. Yeah, we might as well. What do you say, Mike? Yeah, let's go ahead and do it. Well, I mean, we've already kind of talked about the opening scene. We basically have, um, is that Olga? I don't remember. Or was that somebody else? That was the mom, right? I think it was. The no, mom. I think that was Olga. Yeah, I think oh, that, was- thought that was Olga. Okay, I wasn't sure because um, you're not really paying attention. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. It is Olga. I'm looking at yeah. the pixels now. Okay, so basically our opening scene is Olga walking around. Uh, the a girl that we later find out is named Olga, and she's got that bunny rabbit toy that some people have seen on the movie poster. And she's just walking around the house, and periodically when she points the bunny to a certain spot in the house, the bunny starts drumming. It's basically, you know, like one of those cymbal monkeys, the monkeys that play the cymbals, but this is a rabbit playing drums. So she's walking around the house, it'll start to drum, and then it'll stop, and then she'll move to another area, and then it'll start drumming again, and then it'll stop. And then it just kind of ends with a little bit of a jump scare, which, again, doesn't really pay anything off. So... We've got a very ambiguous uh, cold open, but for whatever it's worth, I, th- I thought it set up the movie really well. I was happy uh, with that cold open. I thought it was very creepy, very well done. The rabbit, especially with Olga sticking the rabbit right into the camera and whenever she would point it at something. I mean, the look in that rabbit's eyes, that, that rabbit's got some thoughts. Let me tell you, there, there, <laughs> there's a lot behind those rabbit's eyes for a, for a stuffed animal, but whatever. Um and then, like I said, we, it just goes into that. And, and then here's where we start with the bad decisions. And I'm sorry, guys, but I got to get into this right now. I mean, literally, within the first five minutes of the film, we meet Barrett, older gentleman. He's talking to a slightly younger guy named Isaac. 
And that's when he offers them the job. And what the job is, we've kind of alluded to this babysitting job. And obviously, you know, we talked about it during the synopsis a little bit. But basically, Barrett tells Isaac, um, I'm, um, I have a job for you. I'm going to pay you $200 a day uh, for five days. And I just want you to keep my niece company. That's it. Just, you know, you don't have to take care of her. You don't have to cook for her. Literally just be in the house if she needs anything, blah, blah, blah. It's like, all right, that seems instantly I'm like, he's not telling us something like he's not giving us all the information. Like Isaac is asking some very general questions, but I don't think he's asking the right questions. Like, why? Why are you asking me, a total stranger who's never met this girl to do this? This doesn't make sense. Also, if I am a drifter, yeah, even though the movie doesn't really set it up that way, instantly you should be distrustful. Like. You know, this guy could basically chop me up and, you know, put me in a bowl of chili and no one would ever know because I'm a drifter. I, you know, I don't have any family. It is established that Isaac did have a brother who, for whatever reason, isn't with him anymore. But obviously we find out a little bit later on. But I mean, at this point in the movie, are you guys as pissed off as I am that Isaac actually accepted this job? Well, I thought that was kind of plain into the title of the film. Like the caveat was that he's supposed to be there, but then... You know, there's going to be a hidden switch later on. That's that's the caveat to him staying there. Exactly. Like, yeah. you know, I thought it was, you know, he's going to set him up to do this job, but there's a ghost in the house. Or he's going to set him up to do this job, but the girl's crazy. Like, it's not just she's mental problems. It's, you know, she's homicidal crazy. You know, like something like that. Like, that was like... like the whole point of naming the film caveat was that there was some hidden meaning behind why he's going there. Like I figured that was going to be like the whole point of naming it as such. So yeah. I was just like, willing to go with it. Well, yeah, because I mean, you know, we've seen this in other movies before where you're okay. You're offered a job and at first it sounds kind of straightforward. There's like, then there's like an element or two that make you kind of question it, but Hey, if he's, I mean, if we're to believe the synopsis, except for the drifter part, you know, <laughs> looks like he's kind of a loner, maybe borderline desperate for money. Obviously, the the older brother kind of knew what he was doing by going to him specifically, because, you know, if he would have won, would have gone I mean, like one of us, I'm sure we would have been like, what the hell? No. Like, <laughs> OK, but um, I mean. Okay, but here's the thing. I mean, I know we're going to be jump, jumping ahead with this, but does that re- this conversation really gel with the earlier with the later conversation that we have like a year earlier? Does this really? I I'm I know I'm just being spoiled. Do trying it. to beat okay. around the bush, but first, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm beating around the bush for no reason. The conversation where we find out that he was originally hired to kill the brother a year ago. Well, his brother. Does this whole conversation? No, he's hired to kill the brother. That was him. Remember? Yeah, he was the one that was. He's shaven. He's clean shaven. So that wasn't. But yeah, that's he was. No, he's hired to go kill the brother. No, not that brother. His brother, Isaac's brother. Yeah, he's yeah. The drifter was hired a year earlier to go kill the brother, but he pushed out and he found out that the brother was already dead in the basement. Mm -hmm. No, no, yeah, I got that. Yeah, so. I'm saying, does this conversation, the conversation that we're having right now, this one where he's setting him up to go to the island, mm-hmm. does that really, that that whole thing confused me, that whole revelation that they had met a year or, that's what I'm saying, like, that whole part of the conversation, like, wait a second, this whole thing doesn't make any sense. 
Like, but wasn't why is... he all messed up with amnesia and everything by the time he had the second conversation? Because that's what I thought. That's... that's how I thought how he got him agreed to do the second thing. But that's what I'm saying is that the revelation with him doing the job in the first, the first, like the year earlier. Why is he the one? He's the one that's at the. I, Isaac is the drifter, right? Yes. Okay, uh-huh. yeah. So he's going back to the island that he has no memory of to look after the daughter of this guy who he did this job for where he killed the brother a year earlier but can't remember it. Like That's yeah, that's a major issue I also have with it. The the, yeah. the, the lack of an explanation as to how he forgot, you know, basically contributing yeah. to a murder. Even even though it was indirectly contributing, it's still you know I mean they got his fingerprint so obviously well, I thought I thought it was alluded to that the the guy what the hell I need to I need to look up a character name because I'm tired of saying the guy oh yeah I'm trying what to Isaac or Barrett Barrett I thought Barrett like once we get revelations later I thought it was kind of alluded to that Barrett's the one that fucked him up in the first place to get him in that state because you remember well, when you- we start getting flashbacks and. He he explains, oh, I went to the basement, and oh, basically when Barrett goes to bring him the envelope of money, and then he says, oh, well, what's this thing you wrote about? Oh, your brother wanted to kill you, or whatever that that message yeah, yeah. said, mm-hmm. and then we cut to him kind of waking up all messed up with amnesia. So I thought that like Barrett, once Barrett realized that this guy. Um, he either feels guilty or I'm afraid he might like go tell someone about this. Well, the, well, the last that... line in the well, the last line in the conversation says, "When Barrett and Isaac are meeting together in the motel, the last line before Barrett exits is, we'll talk in the morning. I hope you've come to your senses.'" And he tucks mm-hmm. the money back into his pocket, and then that's the last of their conversation. And then we don't see the meeting the next morning. Yeah, there's one because then well, cause don't forget we see yeah. Barrett come back to the apartment. Remember when he doesn't have any shoes on? Right. We, yeah. We see the the he's got holes in his socks. For I don't know why I found that funny, but yeah, I did. Um, yeah, that and that's that's I mean, where I'm upset is that they show Barrett going back into uh, Isaac's apartment. They show Isaac on his patio uh, drinking a bottle of whatever whiskey or whatever, and then the the scene just ends. Like there, there's no explanation. I guess it's implied that Barrett is responsible for the amnesia, but it's not specifically implicated. So I don't know. I don't know how I'm supposed to, you know, put that together as a viewer. Yeah, and, and then and then to trying me, to put that into the. That's what I thought. Yeah, I what thought I'm saying, but he came back. Um, he was setting once they had that conversation where Barrett was not confident that Isaac was going to um you know be okay like i think he that whole conversation he read isaac like a book and he's like oh sure Dude, this guy's this guy's not gonna keep his composure he's gonna to plus he had that message that he showed him and isaac really didn't have a good explanation and he's like fuck this guy's gonna get me caught and then we cut to like isaac you know boozing it up on the balcony where Part of me thought like, oh, is he? Part of me thought he was gonna like attempt suicide, and maybe that, that's what. Oh, I thought Barrett was up. gonna throw him over the edge. I well, thought Barrett... I, I thought once once we got that POV shot of him closing in on uh-huh. Isaac, I thought okay, maybe that was gonna happen. But before when we first see him, booze, I thought maybe oh, he's gonna attempt to kill himself, and maybe he survives, 
and then he wakes up with the amnesia. But I think Barrett messed him up, and then the whole rest of it was him setting up Isaac um, to do some more dirty work for it and then kind of dispose of him. But that's what I mean. That plan makes no fucking sense. How does Barrett come up with this? How does he get a guy? First of all, first of all, why would he send the guy to do something that was already done before he got there? I thought it was maybe to get his fingerprints, you know, on stuff so that he could potentially implicate him later and either frame him for it or at least have like that. You know, that that kind of security blanket that, you know, oh, you're not going to go to the police because your fingerprints are all over that house and there's no reason for your fingerprints to be there. So that's what I was thinking. But then he gets there. The door is already locked, which was his only job. Literally, his only job was to lock the brother in the basement and that the brother would do the rest himself. But then he gets there. Door is already locked. He decides to open it and go in, finds the brother still alive, but with an arrow in his face, supposedly from suicide. But who on God's green earth commits suicide by crossbow? It just doesn't even make sense to me. I don't care if it's the only weapon you have in the house. That makes zero sense. Um, But anyway, why did he set this guy up to do this just to have him a year later come back to the house under the guise of being a babysitter? And then what the hell was the plan? I mean, was the plan to kill him? Was that why he brought him the second time to the house? Like, what the hell? This is what I mean. I don't know what the point of any of this film is. It make, all, The only point that I can come across is that Barrett is an absolute psychopath and that he, even his plan didn't make sense to him. But he's like, ah, fuck it, I'll do it. You know? I thought it was because... So, this is this was my point in the general thoughts when I was like, why I agree with your guys' criticisms about elements of the story that are either missing, which I don't know if it's on purpose or just because, you know, that's, you know, first feature writing. Just There's a lot of stuff alluded to. To me, what was going on was I think the... Um, uh what's her name olga Olga. i think olga was the one that actually killed the brother in the basement and the older brother was trying to protect her by coming up with the concoct or the concocted plan to all bring isaac back into the fold with his amnesia he doesn't know what the fuck's going on i'm going to set his ass up to go there and he's going to end up getting um killed in the house and then i can pin shit on this poor schlub that got himself into a situation that he's now over his head. Now I understand that there isn't enough concrete evidence for this theory, but I was just trying to put it together because, but that seems so convoluted. It really well, does. It's, it's convoluted, but they're all fucking and idiots. That, I mean, that's, that, well, whole, yeah, that's my point. That's my ultimate point is everybody in this fucking movie is stupid. Well, but <laughs> the, that, that's not an, un, I mean, there's a lot of stupid people in the world that. Uh, I totally. <laughs> I mean, these, these aren't professional criminals. These are idiots. That, that but at no point up. do we ever really even get any kind of idea of what they were even doing. Like even even when Barrett and Olga have a private moment where they could potentially talk, they still don't really talk about oh you were supposed to kill him or oh I you know I I, I sent him here so that you could take care of him because I told you he killed your father. It's like it, it just. It makes zero. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think there was any collusion between Barrett and Olga. There had Olga, to be. No, I mean, Olga's the, obviously the psychologically the, disturbed. No, she has the attention. Mike, has this is scene in the basement. The scene in yeah. the basement where he's hiding in the wall. 
she says he's trapped. She, Olga says he's trapped in my room. I came down to reload. Yeah, that whole scene right there implicates that there's something going on between the two of them. I completely agree with Venom that there has to have been some kind of collusion between Barrett and Olga. But like I said, that's the only point in the film that that even comes up. Mm-hmm. So know. it's like they set it up, but they don't really knock them down. Yeah. Like like a lot of themes in this film. I mean, think about the rabbit. Like I said, we've already talked about one of the coolest aspects of this film is the rabbit. Uh, we talked about the opening scene. And then as we go into the movie, you know, we see the rabbit a couple of more times. Obviously, Isaac has an interaction with it where he doesn't really understand what the rabbit is, what it's doing. But somehow he still has the wherewithal to pick it up and take it around the house with him. Like, again, Isaac is way too intelligent at certain points of this movie, but then he's just way too idiotic in other points of the movie. It just doesn't make sense. And then after that scene, we completely forget about the rabbit. Rabbit's gone forever. (laughs) Yeah. See, I I think Olga's being manipulated the whole time by Barrett, too, which would lead me to the explanation at the end, but we're not there yet, so I didn't want to, like, throw that in. But, I like, I don't think necessarily there's no like plan between Barrett and Olga. But I think if you take into account, obviously Olga's somewhat mentally disturbed or psychologically damaged or whatever is is going on with Olga, she ain't on the level. So I think to say there's this, to to, to say it's like the the collusion, I think it's more that she's being manipulated um, throughout the movie too, because there's the whole call. You remember the scene with the call when, obviously Isaac doesn't know what the hell's going on. And she's like, Oh, well he told me that you came in here and did this. And obviously Isaac did because of the former plan, but Isaac doesn't realize it because of amnesia and Barrett is giving the suggestion, which even though it is true for the context of what's going on, there's no reason he should be feeding that to Olga because it's not relevant, but he's purposely giving her that idea and what's how does she what what's her reaction? She's going to, of course, think, okay, this guy's in danger, and I need to take him out. Do I agree? This plot, the what I can piece together is incredibly convoluted, and maybe you know, I could be very wrong about certain elements. Totally, I'm just trying to <laughs> I'm trying to work with what I got because I don't 100 percent. I'm trying to make sense of it, and mm-hmm. obviously there's a lot of missing pieces. Um, to to have a concrete opinion one way or the other, but I just feel like Olga was kind of being manipulated in the movie as well. I, I believe Barrett is the villain of the movie, and he's kind of manipulating every other character um, around him for his, whatever his purpose in having people dead is. Um, I think so. I mean... I, I'm trying to operate like to me when I when I'm trying to make sense the movie i'm trying to operate off the idea that barrett is the villain and what is he doing throughout the movie to manipulate those around him to kind of turn them against each other to make them enemies and then he comes out from a world you know there's an incident at the house this is what happened Mm. and my my hands are washed clean of it because hey i wasn't even there i mean i agree with don there there has to be collusion here i mean after the phone call or after the first phone call when he calls barrett Barrett specifically tells him, don't tell Olga about the body. You know, uh, Isaac ends up finding uh, the body of Olga's mother in the basement uh, with an arrow through her, through her heart. 
when he when he calls Barrett and tells him that hey Olga's mother is still in the house. I found her in the basement. He tells her not to tell Olga, right? But then later in the film, Isaac just ends up telling her. And what's Olga's reaction? It's it's nonchalant. It's like, oh, yeah, I know. Um, you know, uh, what'd she say? Oh, my uncle killed her. It's like, what? So So there has to be some kind of collusion. But then even aside from the collusion... Like, Olga, like, personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with Olga whatsoever, mentally. Uh, Her little episodes that she has, I think they're absolutely staged. um, Because she just comes in and out of them willy-nilly at any point. Um, That theory kind of goes out the window a little bit when uh, Isaac puts her in the the confinement uh, vest thing. that, you know, it kind of because he is able to get her into it, which also doesn't make sense because the confinement thing is a vest and there's no way he could have gotten that on her without pulling her hands away from her face. But, you know, again, that's logic. I'm not going to get too stupid about that one. But, yeah, um, because basically Olga, when she goes into one of her little episodes, she basically just sits on the floor and holds her hands to her face, covering her face completely. She basically does an ostrich. You know, if I can't see you, you can't see me. That That's it. That's her whole mental psychosis. She's not, uh, you know, ultraviolet. She's not, uh, she doesn't have, you know, split personality. There's, there, I'm telling you, I don't think there's anything at all wrong with her. I think this whole thing was a plot to get Isaac back in here so that Olga could take care of him. Because did you even hear the surprise in Barrett's voice when Isaac first called? He's like, he actually paused like he didn't know what to say. I, I think Isaac was already supposed to be dead by that point or something. I don't know. Well, I, I I think Barry does want Olga to kill him. Oh, because, absolutely. But I don't think Barrett wanting Olga to kill him is dependent on her faking her psychological evidence. I think she can still be mentally disturbed and oh, Barrett's manipulating her. No, I don't know. I, I'm kind of coming around on... The, I think Venom is kind of spot on with her being fake. That could be... Easy, that can easily be the cover story to get him there. Like, you have to take care of this just mentally disturbed child for a week while I'm on way on business. You know, I can't leave. You've got to take care of her. Like, that kind of a thing. Well, then, what I, was, then why wouldn't thinking, she just kill him right away? Like, as soon as he's chained up and comes in and sees her anywhere, I mean, she could just murder the dude straight hey, up. Cause he, because many, he wouldn't many... have been expecting sure, I mean, sure. I guess we could say that about lots of elements of lots of movies. Why didn't you just do it right away? Exactly. Like we wouldn't many, have a movie. I mean, but, that's what I was going to say. How many serial killers like playing with their food? It's very like, rare. I don't, but I don't even it. think... But, okay, let's say she doesn't kill him right away, but what would even be the point of needing to fake the psychological aspect. I mean, I don't... Well, you'd probably have to, to do get something to, to stay there. Yeah, don't forget, probably... he wasn't chained up when he first met Olga. Uh, remember no, he, he brought... No, he was. That was. I thought he saw her, like, through the door before no. he got chained up, and that's why he agreed. Yeah, actually, yeah, absolutely. He was not chained up the first time he introduced her to Olga. He absolutely... I don't think he was. Because then he agreed... Because then after that, they walk back out into the kitchen, and that's when he puts the vest on him. Because he doesn't get the vest on him right away. Isaac is very hesitant. I don't want to put that thing on. I don't want to be trapped, blah, blah, blah. It, it's probably a good five minutes from the introduction of the vest until Isaac actually puts it on. Um, obviously, I could be wrong, but I very distinctly have a memory in is. my head. 
I think they have that initial conversation where he sees her, and then after they go out of the room, he's like, oh, she has the disorder where she's afraid she's going to get attacked in her sleep. Right, so, right. So yeah. I think wearing the chain vest or whatever, like, puts her at ease or something. I, I can't remember the exact well, conversation. The story. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. That is the story that Barrett gives them. Well, like, okay, even if you knock out all that stuff and just say, okay, it's a normal go-your babysitting, well, eventually Isaac's going to go to sleep at night when she could just walk in and murder out like if that if that was all, all there was if it was a hundred percent just collusion between olga and barrett i would assume they could just be like okay wait till he goes to sleep and yeah but then there's stuff. no movie <laughs> true <laughs> i mean point. you gotta have an hour and a half to fill and you know otherwise it's an episode of you know creep show <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I you know I, I i'm not trying to shoot down your ideas i'm genuinely not because you might be more right than i am um, if we were to ask the director, I don't know, but I'm just saying this is what I took away from it. What if I took away a very <laughs> convoluted plot that made no sense to me on either side, not from Isaac's point of view. Like why at any point, why would you take that job? Why would you allow him to take you across water when you can't swim, knowing that he has to take the boat back with him? So like instantly, that would have been one of the first things I asked. Like, how are you getting back to the mainland? Oh, you're taking the boat? So you mean I'm trapped here? No, thank you. You know what I mean? It's just there's so many follow-up questions that Isaac didn't ask. But then even once he was given these preposterous um, terms that he had to follow to babysit this person, he still did it. I'm I mean, sorry. As, as, soon as, he, as soon as he broke out that chain vest, I, I would have been out. Yep. Well, <laughs> dude, been... I wouldn't have even gone across the water. Literally, I would have right there asked him, so I'm trapped on the island for a week? No, sir. We're done. I, I just, I, I, this is what I mean about they didn't set up Isaac to need money. If they would have given me literally a two-minute scene showing me that Isaac is either homeless that he needs money, that he owes money to somebody, whatever the case may be, I might have accepted it a little bit more. I mean, how many stupid things have we all done in our life for the sake of money? Hey, we all do it. But they didn't set that up in the film. So I I have to basically just take it as Isaac is a moron. <laughs> and that's how I, I walk away. I mean, I give him a little bit of credit for putting up a fight. I mean, you sure. like you said, it's a five-minute scene before he actually dons on it. So, yeah, I, I give him some credit for putting up a fight and refusing. But, yeah, there, there, there's just no explanation for anything in this. Yeah, very little. I mean, I agree. Isaac's an idiot. I think that's kind of why he was... Up, and like, not just an idiot, but probably like a desperate idiot. Cause, sure, sure. Because, I mean, I, like, $200, $200 a day, it's not, like, bad, I guess, but it's nothing, like, for what you're asking me to do. I would be like, uh, that's not going to cut it. <laughs> so he must well, be pretty desperate. Like, I mean, I would have, like I said, I would have had so many more follow-up questions. Like, is there enough food in the house? Uh, the fact that he didn't check to see if the chain reached the toilet, which it did not. That, you know, this, these are the kind of things where I'm just like, these are basic things that Isaac, at least a normal person with their normal mental capacity, would have asked. You know, what about food? What about... Uh, how am I supposed to bathe in this thing? I can't. So basically, I can't bathe for a week. Uh, you know, if, if he's a drifter, obviously it's not a big deal. But like I said, the film didn't set him up to be. The synopsis did. And I don't read synopses. So, yeah, uh, I, I just like I said, I, my ultimate impression of this movie is that it's a really, really well made movie from a technical aspect. It looks pretty. It's nice. But 
I've, I've said it already, the storytelling just does not work for me in any way, shape, or form. There is nothing other than Rabbit that I can walk away from this movie saying, I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> and again, nothing against, uh, you know, Mr. What's his name? Mr. McCarthy. I mean, if this is a first time feature, yeah, there's a lot of positive to take out of this. Absolutely. I would definitely be a lot more critical of this film if this was like a long time director, you know, if this was like Neil Marshall's new movie or whatever. Yeah, I would have had a big, made bigger issue with it. Um, but there's a lot of positive to pull out of here. And I'm not completely against Damian McCarthy at this point. I'm curious to see his next, you know, where it goes from here. Like I said, hopefully he just gets a better script um, to work with and actually then utilize his good filmmaking techniques and actually give us a really enjoyable film, which I know a lot of people are probably yelling at me right now because I know a lot of people did find this film entertaining, and that's cool. Uh, if anything, I'm jealous. I wish I liked this movie the way that some people like this movie. But I, I, just because of the, the kind of movie viewer that I am, I, I just can't. I, I walk away just disliking this film greatly. And, uh, you know, like I said, within a week, I'm going to forget about all the positives. And all I'm going to remember is the rabbit and the ending that pissed me off. <laughs> well, then let's get into the ending, because I think that. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's two ways. To, well, I won't, I won't say I won't limit it to two. I'll say the two ways I took it. So basically, you know, we get to the end. Um, Isaac is. Basically, he freed himself. He's out in the house. He's unchaining the dog, or take, you know, looking mm -hmm. like he's probably gonna take the dog with him. Um, and then we see Olga emerge from the house. Isaac looks back. We kind of get a shot of both of them, and then fade to black. So it's kind of one of those abrupt, what mm -hmm. what does the viewer think happened kind of endings. Now, me, I think it's either two ways. I think Isaac's looking back, wondering, is she gonna shoot me with a crossbow and and murder me and the other the other which i i took it at and see this goes back to my theory that olga was being manipulated the whole time i think kind of like the dumbfounded look on her face and there's no crossbow raised necessarily i think it's her realizing kind of coming to some sort of realization that isaac's been a pawn in this whole thing too and she probably feels a little bit manipulated too and it's saying that she's basically going to let him leave. But there's really no concrete evidence either way, nor are those the only two possibilities. So uh, nor how did, did you guys interpret the ending? Well, nor did you answer my major fucking question. Does he give her the key or not? She's still locked up. She's still in the vest at that moment. She can't leave the house. She She walks up to the door as far as she can. And then they just sit there and stare at each other, and it goes to black. It's like... What am I supposed to take from this? Is he going to leave her there to die? Because if he leaves her there, she's dead. I mean, there's not enough food in there. Her uncle, the only person who knows she's in that house is her uncle and Isaac. And they're, Isaac's gone. You know, it, assuming Isaac escapes, he's gone. Um, and then, you know, assuming he leaves her there, she's probably going to die. Correct? I mean, but but that's what I mean. Like, they leave it so open to interpretation. It's like, I, I, I really, this is one case where I would have liked him to kind of give me an ending at, that tells me how these people feel. Like, how does Olga feel after all this? Is she okay with Isaac? Like Mike said, does she realize that he's just a pawn? Or does she still look at him as the man who killed her father? Even though technically her father 
committed suicide. And I'm not 100% sure I believe that either. Because uh, after they show us the scene where, you know, the guy actually has the arrow in his face, it's just, like I said, it doesn't make sense that somebody would commit suicide that way. It actually looked to me like he was shot by another person, but, you know, maybe that's what was what we were supposed to think. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Um, but the point is, they just leave way too many questions at the end. Yes, I, there's interpretations, sure, but sometimes there are so many interpretations that it's frustrating that we didn't get an ending, an actual ending. You know what I mean? And we don't. And technically, we don't even know what happened to Barrett. Think about it. Barrett is in the basement, and then suddenly the body of Olga's mother starts moving on its own, but not in a way that makes it look like she's a zombie or possessed. Oh, see, I thought he was... No, see, I thought that was Isaac manipulating the body to get an advantage and escape the room. Oh, no, Isaac was already upstairs. Remember, he called him on the phone. He actually said, oh, I'm, I, I've already gotten out. I'm upstairs. And then we see the saw start sawing through the drywall. Mm -hmm. That's why the music got all suspenseful. Because th at that point, we know it's not Isaac cutting that thing open anymore. But the thing is, is again, we see the body, but we never actually see it move. You know what I mean? It's a stiff, dead body with a, with a expression stuck on its face forever. And but but we get the idea that maybe the thing came to life, or or, or was that potentially maybe uh, Barrett was actually also claustrophobic? But they never tell us in the movie, and yeah, maybe that I... was him going crazy. I ultimately I felt that it was probably in Barrett's head because maybe he has some guilt for his role in like all the dead people, <laughs> the dead parents in the house, and so that and he knew that maybe he knew that um, she was in there and maybe that's manifesting in his mind. But I did think that sequence with Isaac in the wall with the. Because first he, you know, he's shimmying through it, uh -huh. and you see the, the you see the face kind of like drop really quick. Yeah, that was looks. cool. <laughs> that was pretty cool. And then like how the uh, I loved the kind of the lighting effects in the wall, and like he would keep looking back because that feels like what someone would do. Like even if you you know don't believe in supernatural or anything like that, you would almost kind of like keep looking back, like just out oh, of sure. paranoia. Oh, I and love how, that. Yeah, yeah, how the head was in different positions. And and then when he puts the beanie over it, but then there's an eye peeking out. I thought that was, I mean, that was probably the most creepiest part. Well, that's what I mean. The, the director sets up that there's a supernatural element to this movie, but as he does with all of the plot points in this film, there's no resolution. Is there a supernatural thing going on? Is he just crazy? How did that body continue to saw through? Was it a ghost? You know, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I, I feel like I would have been more satisfied with a ridiculous over-the-top ending where the body actually did come to life and, you know, saw through the bot or through the drywall and then stab what's-his-face. As corny and hokey as that ending would have been, I think it still would have been more satisfying than what I got. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, my theory was just it was Isaac manipulating the body to scare him, so it's... I don't know about you guys. I mean, that was my takeaway. That's what I thought he was doing. Yeah, like I said, I'm pretty sure he was out of there by 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 that point because he calls him. He calls him from upstairs, and they actually show Isaac upstairs, and he's on well, the they... phone, and he says, I, "I'm already out." Like, cause cause he hears uh, Barrett yelling, "Isaac, come on out!" Blah blah blah, and then he calls him on that intercom thing and actually tells him, "I'm already out, dude." 
That's someone. Or what was his exact words? I sent someone else to take care of you. That's yeah. Isaac's exact words. And then, you know, we see, you know, from the outside of the drywall, we see the saw sawing through it. And then, you know, Barrett gets scared. He grabs a weapon. He cocks back, you know, uh, preparing for what might pop out. And then when it pops out, like I said, Barrett is around the corner from where the body comes out. So we don't actually see the body come out. All we see is the body kind of lean a little bit so that one of its eyes is looking past the wall right at Barrett. But that's it. No actual movement, uh, no confirmation of a supernatural element. That's why I'm thinking this is a kind of a more psychological thing. I'm thinking that Barrett is just as crazy as everybody else in this movie. Um, um, not necessarily sociopathic, but, um, you know, psychopathic, basically. You know, he's just crazy. Yeah, um, the, so I, that I would was, be a better explanation, at least for me. I was leaning towards the director trying to maybe leave the supernatural stuff more implied, up, left up to the viewer, because... In the grand scheme of things in the plot, the supernatural stuff doesn't really matter. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, the, what, well, I just don't think there's much of a. I mean, we spent the entire movie thinking there was a supernatural element between the bunny, between the voices that we hear in the house, between the score, you know, upping the tension. I mean, the director is very solidly pushing a supernatural narrative. But then we get to the movie and we get that scene, like I said, with the body moving. But it, it, it's like, like, I understand why Don thought that was just Isaac manipulating the body, because that's what it looks like. It kind of looks like somebody else uh, making the body lean to look at Barrett. But, you know, like I said, um, I'm pretty sure Isaac was already out, out of the basement. But I don't know. It just to set up to spend an hour and 25 minutes setting up a, super, a supernatural narrative just to make the last five minutes just leave everything dangling and we get no confirmation of any kind. I understand ambiguous endings are sometimes very enjoyable. I've said it myself. There are a lot of amb ambiguous endings that I enjoy. This movie is way too ambiguous to enjoy, in my opinion. They leave way too many uh, questions unanswered. And like I said, uh, they build up this suspense, this level of suspense that's heightened and you're, you know, you're on the edge of your seat. And then, like I said, you just get no payoff. And that's upsetting to me. Um, you know, I, I, I would I'd love to speak to one of the people who thinks this is a spectacular film, like a 10 out of 10. And, you know, not to argue with them necessarily, but just to find out what they got out of it, because whatever they got out of it, I did not. And that's unfortunate because I love Supernatural. Absolutely do. And even if it's a supernatural thing that turns into a psychological thing, you know, like a St. Maud, I still like it a lot. But like I said, this one just... Or like a Babadook? Uh, yeah, I'm okay with... Oh, God, I, I, I'm very okay with the Babadook. And I'm, I'm even okay with some of the more unpopular opinions about... You know, whether that actually is, um, you know, uh, a metaphor for grief and blah, 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 you know? Um, that's what I mean. I like listening to people who have convincing arguments um, for why they love or dislike something. And I would love to speak to someone who genuinely loves this movie to see if they could convince me that it's better than I think it is. Because as it is, I'm walking away from this film very unsatisfied. And I'm probably going to go and watch a Conjuring movie now. Because I need something supernatural in my life. <laughs> as long as it's not the third one. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Bite your tongue, sir. I almost, man, I almost flamed you up on uh, Facebook today when you said something negative about the new Conjuring. 
Oh, I, I, I forget what post it was, but yeah, you posted something negative about the or a comment. You commented on somebody's post and said something negative about the conjuring, and I'm like, that mother. <laughs> I remember making a comment, and I can't even remember like what the original post yeah. was either. <laughs> I think it was somebody uh, saying that they were going to watch the conjuring, and you were just like, I'm sorry, or something like that. I don't know. No. You know your usual douchebaggery. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like I had to do my ah. daily uh, daily update on that. Alright, All right, can we start drinking heavily so I can forget this movie? <laughs> <laughs> um all right. Well, well is there anything else to talk about? I mean we talked about the ending, we talked about the body, the rabbit. There there wasn't anything left. <laughs> we didn't do what the director did and leave plot points dangling, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'll, so. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say, you know, like, um, obviously, I think we all agree that there's story elements that are lacking in this. And for me, what I, the, the best elements of this to, to me were uh, atmosphere, the look, and uh, sound design. Yeah. Um, it It's one of the better scores, I think, of this year, just the way the sound was used. And, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like the kind of like screechy uh, score you hear like where you get like jump scare type stuff. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, it was kind of like the low level bass yeah. and just rumbling and that kind of stuff. Um, That's what I mean. Even if the movie maybe had more jump scares, maybe I would have felt more satisfied. That's the thing is that they set up jump scares in this movie and never deliver. <laughs> Oh, that was something I meant to say earlier, too. It's like, you know, we all talk about how we dislike jump scares and how they're not real scares, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, I think this movie maybe could have benefited from a couple. <laughs> eh, possibly. Yeah, I can't argue that. I mean, they got me once when Olga broke that guy's hand, when she grabbed his hand as he was reaching through the hole. That one kind of got me. But that's it wasn't necessarily a supernatural scare so much as I was waiting for his hand to get chopped off or something. That was that was making me th- yeah when he was reaching through to get that key that was making me think of like uh, Blood Simple yeah you know, when he's reaching around the window and exactly it was very anxiety inducing you know I'll give this director credit he's got a good sense of inducing anxiety in certain scenes whether it be sticking your hand you know kind of like that game that we used to play at Halloween where we'd stick our hand in a box and try to figure out what was in the box. That's what a lot of this film actually felt like. It, this this film actually feels like a metaphor for that activity. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what this guy does next. So, Because yeah. I, I think he has a knack for, you know, good suspense and atmosphere. And then we'll see if, you know, if he actually develops a story on this next one or if he just directs someone else's work or what. But... Uh, Don, anything else before we wrap it up? I'm trying to think, but I think we've got everything, so... Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm pretty much out of it, so... <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, what listeners obviously probably don't know is we originally were going to have a guest for this episode, uh, returning Lacey Lou of Cut to the Chase, Cut to the Lou, they're here... And uh, Slumber Party Massacre, which is a shame because this, is, this would have been the first time she was on the show since starting that. So we would let her, you know, talk all about it. Uh, unfortunately, life situation came up at the last minute. 
that kept her um, from being on it. But it was a situation where she actually did watch the movie. So she kind of floated the idea to me about uh, recording some thoughts on the movie and send it in an audio form and I could throw it in on the episode. So uh, being that we said all we have to say about the movie, we're going to go ahead and let uh, Lacey's thoughts play out right now. Hello, Fresh Cuts. This is Lacey Lou from Cut to the Chase, the Slumber Party Massacre podcast. They're here and skip to the Lou. Um, thank you guys for um, letting me do this little blurb on Kevet, or I don't even know how you pronounce it, to be quite honest with you. Um, but yeah, I thought this movie started out genuinely fucking creepy. Um, you know, the little rabbit, you know, that claps, I thought this could be maybe an iconic new toy in a film. I mean, it probably is to some. Um, I thought it started off really creepy. Um, I really liked the premise of the film once it started to get into it, that he's got to go babysit this girl, um, Olga or whatever, and the dude, uh, is her uncle, but she's, like, bound by chains, and, um, in order for him to make the girl feel safe, uh, this drifter guy has to, that's supposed to be babysitting her, has to be bound by a chain as well, um, and apparently he has amnesia, and, uh, he goes, and, uh, he agrees to be chained up to babysit this girl who's, um, like, covering her eyes, like, if that was me, I would have been like, fuck your $200, I'm getting out of here, um, so, I mean, it's kind of silly, but it was intriguing, um, and then they discover the body in the wall, (laughs) and, um, there's a whole bunch of, like, mix-up and confusion of whether this dude knew about it or not, um, yeah, there's a lot going on. Sorry, my thoughts are a little bit scatterbrained on this. I just wanted to get my quick general thoughts in. Um, I started to watch it last night, and I fell asleep on it. Um, I got about 45 minutes in, and I see why I fell asleep, because the last half um, of the film is just not good. Uh, the first, uh, you know, 40 minutes or so, uh, 45 minutes or so is really good, and this last half, although there is a really creepy moment, um, I mean, the dead body in the, in the, in the wall is, um, genuinely creepy, and it's probably gonna haunt me, especially when he put the hat over it, and you can see the eye, that's really freaking creepy, um, but for me, it just doesn't, um, it feels a little convoluted, and a bit of a mess, and I don't feel like you really get a full explanation of what really happened there, Um, I know at one point the girl says, uh, that her her dad killed his mother, her, her mother, and stuffed her in the wall and didn't want to tell anybody because she didn't want people, um, thinking of her dad like that. Um, you know, if my dad killed my mom, I would have definitely turned him in and I wouldn't have let my mom just hang out in the wall for the rest of time. (laughs) I mean, that's just really silly and kind of stupid. But, um, the premise is kind of cool and creepy, um, unfortunately the last act does fall pretty flat for me, but, um, yeah, um, it's an okay watch, um, I wish they would have did a little bit more with the bunny toy that claps, I thought that was gonna be a more intricate part to the film, um, yeah, but, so, I mean, the first part is really creepy, but the last part, not so much, so, uh, I liked it 
but I didn't. So, I mean, if you guys can go into depth detail, I'm sorry I missed the show and the conversation. I wish I could have been in on it to, you know, figure out what was actually going on in this because maybe I just had a rough day and wasn't paying that much attention to it. But I just feel like they didn't explain anything and then, you know, it just kind of closes out and leaves you up to the imagination like, well, is she going to leave or, you know, so yeah, sorry, there's full spoilers in there. Um, but yeah, thanks for letting me add my ranting thoughts. All right. So thanks a lot, Lacey, for sending your thoughts on the movie. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I guess we can all see, uh, who Lacey agreed with, uh, more on that. Um, but, uh, you know, (laughs) <laughs> that's how it goes. Uh, oh yeah, lots of it. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, yeah, Lacey absolutely. Lou. Thank you, Lacey Lou. That was great. Yeah, I Hopefully appreciate this it. Becomes a habit. Yeah, I would love to see more of these. I, I definitely have no problem playing our listeners' thoughts or other podcasters' thoughts on the show. You know, send us a little five to ten minute clip. Uh, I, I would be down to do that more often. But yeah, thank you very much, Lacey. That was cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Definitely, and uh, we'll be sure to get you back on the show proper in the future when uh, life allows it. Yeah, and with a good movie, too. And uh, uh, most importantly, best wishes with everything that's going on over there. Absolutely. We're we're always thinking about you. (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to do it for our discussion and this episode of Fresh Cuts. But before we get out of here, let's find out if there's anything new for our listeners to uh, listen to. So, Venom, what do you got? Well, this will be the quickest one ever. It'll be a world record for me. Um, uh, Really, the only thing to bring up is the main show, No More Room in Hell. We recorded uh, an episode, uh, what was that, yesterday? Two days ago, right? And yeah, uh, we, yeah. we looked at my picks, which were 1981's Bloody Moon and 1980's Dr. Butcher MD Medical Deviant, also known as Zombie Holocaust. Um, that should be available, I would imagine, as you listen to this episode. Hopefully the main show will be out that day or maybe the next. So check that out. That was episode, what, 32 of No More Room in Hell. And then pretty much everything else I work on is on hiatus. Even It's Not Horror, okay, is on a little bit of a hiatus for the NHL playoffs. Yes, we're postponing podcasts for playoffs now, so I guess that's a thing. Um, And then Theme Warriors, we will be recording an episode hopefully in the next week or two. That'll be our June episode. So like I said, hopefully we can get that out before the end of the month. And that's it from me. Wow. I feel like you should just make up some stuff. Just to... <laughs> I should. I should just make up a podcast right now, a solo cast. <laughs> uh, all right, Don, do you got anything? Uh, the only thing new coming up is uh, the recording for Graveyard Shit, where we will do the Phantasm retrospective. But uh, that's uh, still to be recorded, so um, it'll probably be another month or so before we get that out. Based on our schedule, probably be closer to two months, but who's counting? Nice. All right. And then, yeah, for me, same as Venom, obviously. Uh, Apparently, least... we got to start a new podcast. Yeah, I know. What the <laughs> hell's going on? I have way too much free time. I don't like this. <laughs> um... Actually, what's funny is that uh, I talk about all the free time, but uh, unfortunately, I am not available next week. Um, so I'm not sure if you guys would like to do a show without me. I'm sure that's something that we'll talk about off air, but 
Uh, yeah, I'm going to be busy with the uh, podcast under the stairs summer series. I have a lot of movies to watch in the next 12 days, so uh, I'm unfortunately not going to be available for a fresh cuts next week. But who knows? Maybe uh, you know Mike and Don and a special guest might get together to do something. I just thought I'd throw that out there for the folks. Yeah, as as far as I know, there's a there's a movie called Gaia that's like a limited release that's listed as a horror drama. Hmm. Um, that, that I don't even since you don't read synopsis ahead of time, I, I won't even read it. But it definitely, I mean, from the, what I'm reading, it de- definitely sounds like a horror movie. Nice. Um, and it's listed the it's listed as English and Afrikaans, which is a South African nice. language. Oh, so. like his house. I mean, they were speaking yeah. Sudanese, his house, but still African. Nice. Yeah, looks interesting. Um. I'll have to see if it's going to VOD too, because it, it sounds like it's a like a limited. It's it's definitely listed as limited. I just don't know how limited, so I'll look. Uh, into usually, that. I, those limited movies almost never play more than a week or two at theaters, and then they show up on VOD. So I, I don't think it'll be long before that shows up on VOD. If it's if it's playing in limited theaters right now, then I'd say another week or two it'll be available. Yeah, and you know I'm not opposed to if we need to take a week off, it's been a long time. I mean, we had a good streak going, um, yep. but if we figure something out, I'm not opposed to that too. We'll, we'll figure it out. But, uh, Maybe we'll review one episode of creep show. I could probably squeeze <laughs> in one of those, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Or find another like 60 minute movie or something. There you go. Hey, the amusement park's only 52 minutes. I'm uh, not hearing the great things about it, but we'll see. I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> All right. Well, with that said, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. So thanks, everyone, for listening to Fresh Cuts. We might catch you in a week's time, if not two weeks' time. So that's it. Say goodnight to the listeners. Adios, folks. Later. Peace out. Stay
Well, it comes to swell, to swell, to swell, to swell. <laughs>